0: Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of An Amber Day, the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Fisher. And as I'm recording this right now, it is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope you guys had a good one. Uh, right now in San Antonio, it is freezing cold. Um, they're calling it the polar vortex. They always make up these very ridiculous names when it gets, like, slightly cold here. Um, But this time is actually historically cold for us. So the low tonight, I think it's supposed to be 5 degrees. Um, The coldest night on record in San Antonio is actually in 1949. It got to 0 degrees Fahrenheit, so... Um, this is a pretty rare event for it to get this, this cold and they're telling us that it's going to snow tonight. So everyone's excited. Uh, I was at the grocery store the other day or yesterday, I should say, and there were people panic buying like entire cartfuls of like bread and snacks and stuff. Cause apparently they think that the entire world's going to freeze over and they won't be able to leave their homes for months. So they bought months worth of groceries, um, it's supposed to go back above freezing on Tuesday, and today is Sunday. So that's all I have to say about that, uh, but I just am um, excited to be here. Today's topic, I'm going to start a PCOS series. I have been wanting to talk more about PCOS for a long time, and uh, whenever you know you come up with your content calendar when you're uh, doing a lot of work online, um, you sort of plan out what things you're going to talk about. And over the last six, eight months, uh, PCOS has not been on the content calendar too much. And I um, was like, gosh, I miss talking about PCOS more. I think, I mean, that's my specialty. And um, so we're going to do a series on PCOS. And today's topic is okay, so you've just been diagnosed with PCOS, now what do you do, right? Uh, so if you are new to your diagnosis of PCOS, um, if you just went to your doctor and they were like, oh, hey, there are cysts on your ovaries, you have something called PCOS. Or sometimes they don't even do an ultrasound, sometimes they just diagnose you based off symptoms, and so we'll talk more about that stuff in a minute. Um, but if you've just gotten a diagnosis, or you think you may have PCOS, uh Here I am, a functional nutritionist, and I'm going to tell you what I would do, what I would have you do, um, where I think the best places are to start. So if you're new to the podcast, though, uh, I always spend the first 10 minutes or so chatting about my actual life. So if you want to get into the nutrition stuff, you might want to skip ahead a little bit because I'm about to update my fans. Um, So how are you guys? Hope you're doing well. Uh, As you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube... Hello, YouTube. I am in a new setup here. So, um, I used to be over there in the room in a a lovely little corner with my shelves and my supplements and all that behind me. Uh, But I have started a new project with a friend of mine. We are doing a new podcast called Advice We Need. And it's like an advice column podcast where we answer women's questions on health, relationships, uh, sex life, like all the stuff. And, uh, you know, I bring the functional nutrition perspective in on certain questions like, um, you know, some of our first episodes are on body image and, and things like that. So I bring a health perspective to it, but also I enjoy answering people's questions. Uh, my friend Jen and I, who are doing this podcast, we're both the kind of people that people often ask for our advice. We just sort of have those kind of faces where people are like, hello, I just met you, but let me tell you all your secrets. Um, and good for them. I'm a good secret keeper. But uh, but yeah, so we wanted to sort of have a f- uh, format to answer a lot of these kinds of questions. And so, um, you know, if that's something you're interested in, you can find more about that on, um, if you follow me on Instagram at Amber Fisher Nutritionist, there's links to that podcast and all the promo content about that um, on there. But the whole reason I'm telling you that is that we've been working on that like crazy. And uh, one of the things we wanted to do, because we're in separate places in the world, she's way over in Croatia, and I'm here in Texas. So we wanted to be able to have, uh, for our videos, to have us side-by-side on the... Um on the screen. And so in order to do that, we had to have a setup that looked pretty similar from hers to mine so that it would kind of match. So I moved my desk over here by the window and, um, and it also gave me the opportunity to bring my fun little plant back in to the, the, um, to the shot and also to get these cool new signs. So I've got one for the other podcast, but I I made one for, for us guys and Amber a day. I thought it was time. I thought it was time. You know, I watch a lot of podcasts on YouTube, and they always have their cute little sign behind them, you know? And I'm like, hey, I want to do that. Why shouldn't I? So here we are. We've got the sign. Um, I think this is episode 36, maybe. Maybe 37. Uh, so we're we're chugging right along there with the episodes, and I'm, I'm excited about it, you know? Uh, it's something that I, I had... I I put on the back burner for a while um, when I was, you know, pregnant, having my son and everything. And I'm so glad I came back to it because I've really, really been enjoying podcasting and and talking with you guys. And I'm really feeling like I'm starting to get to know a lot of you. And so, um, you know, I just want to say thank you. Like, thanks for being so interactive with me. I think, you know, maybe sometimes people think that, um, you know, Whatever, for lack of a better word, content creators. I don't like calling myself that, but I guess it's sort of what I am. Content creators, uh, don't like to, like, you know, they don't like to hear from, from people who listen to them or whatever. You know, people think like, oh, they're not going to want me to, to say anything to them or comment on them. I love it. I love to interact with you guys. I love talking with you guys on Instagram and. And stuff, and then some of you are actual clients, and I love that work too. Um, so it's a lot of fun for me. I love people, and and so I've, I've really been enjoying getting to know you guys and uh, getting more input on what you want to hear and what questions you really have about health and nutrition. And so one of the things that I've gotten a lot of questions on is PCOS. I think women, uh, PCOS is so common, but a lot of times you're diagnosed with it and you don't really know, uh, what to do. You've never heard of it before until you're diagnosed with it. So, um, I want to do more about that. So that's kind of the start of, of some, some podcasts that we're going to be devoting specifically to PCOS. So, uh, so yeah, uh, but, but set up this new little area here and I got me a real comfy chair. I might have to actually hold the microphone closer. I don't know. Cause I don't know if it's going to pick up on my voice um, as well. Maybe if I move this back, let's see. I don't know. Now I'm messing things up. I probably shouldn't do that. Um, we'll just see how it goes. But I I feel like if I can be more comfortable, then I can speak more from the heart. You know, I, there's something about being in a comfy chair. I just feel like with COVID and being at home, like some of these things just matter more than they used to. Like, particularly being in a comfy chair. For the longest time in my home office here, it was just like, you know, uh, a desk that I didn't really like and a really hard, obnoxious chair where if I had to do any work down here, like my butt would hurt after like 15 minutes. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was like, why am I still sitting on this uncomfortable chair? It's been almost a year that I've been doing my consults from my home office. And yet I'm still sitting on this uncomfortable chair. So I just went right in the living room. I got this little bad boy. He used to be in my actual office a long time ago. Um, and I'm like, you're coming with me, buddy. So we set him up. And, uh, yeah, it's really hard to get in here. I have to, like, climb over. But once I'm here, ooh, man, it's zen. So I'm very comfy. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's like it's like being in the living room and we're having a sleepover and we're talking about the real shit, the real stuff with PCOS. So, okay, you've been waiting. Here's what you've been waiting for. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy and happy? what to do if you're diagnosed with pcos okay so the the common experience is uh a lot of women that that come in to work with me i hear this this some version of the story a lot they've never really had any issues that they like knew of maybe their periods were a little irregular or whatever but they've been having trouble having a child and um, they go in to see their doctor and their doctor's like, hmm, you know, you, you maybe you're carrying some extra weight or you've got like some facial hair issues or whatever. And so they do an ultrasound and they see cysts on the ovaries. I'm like, okay, you have PCOS, right? Um, but the, there's the other kind of experience too. And this is one that, um, you know, I experienced, which is... You've had issues with your menstrual cycles since puberty, right? Like never been regular, always been really heavy, or just like long periods of time without one. Um, always struggled with like facial hair issues. Always struggled with uh, body fat in the abdominal region, whatever it may be. And um, you would go to doctors, and they'd be like, "Well, just just go on birth control." Just. Take some birth control. It'll regulate your periods and, and all will be well, right? Um, and so they may or may not have told you, Hey, you have PCOS. I, uh, I'm trying to think back to when I was diagnosed with PCOS and I really had to kind of fight for a diagnosis for them to put a name to it. Um, sometimes you have to do that. I've even had clients tell me that they actually went into their doctor and told their doctor, Hey, I have PCOS. And then the doctor was like, Oh, really? Uh, well, let's, let's look at your, your ovaries to confirm, to confirm it. Um, you know, they'll tell them like, Hey, somebody else told me that I'm not recommending you do this, guys, but this is somebody had, I, an actual client of mine told me that she did this. She, she looked at the symptoms online. She was like, I'm pretty sure this is me. Went into her doctor. Her doctor was like, Dismissive of it. So went to a different doctor and told the different doctor, Hey, I've been diagnosed with PCOS. And the doctor was like, Oh, okay. Um, did they do an ultrasound to diagnose it? And she, she said, No, they didn't. So this new doctor was like, Well, let's go ahead and do that. Just, you know, just to make sure. And what do you know? She has PCOS, right? PCOS is diagnosed based on a a few different things. It does not have to be diagnosed by ultrasound, but I always like women to try to get an ultrasound if they can from their doctor, just because I think it makes a big difference in um, it makes a big difference in your perception of your diagnosis. Like it makes it really real, and also sometimes women do have have symptoms, but there's not actually a problem with their ovarian function. So it can um, change, you know, the type of way that we work together. So, in order to be diagnosed with PCOS, you have to meet certain diagnostic criteria. Um, you have to have two of three of the following: hyperandrogenism, which is like the presence of elevated testosterone levels, or you know, it can be seen on the body by like excessive hair growth. So this is why women with PCOS often have facial hair or um, extra thick hair or whatever it may be. Uh, ovulatory dysfunction is the second one. So if you're skipping periods or, um, you know, there's the, your periods are really long and irregular. And then third is polycystic ovaries. So most of the time what they'll do is they'll look at the ovaries and they'll notice the hyperandrogenism. And then they'll say, yes, you have PCOS, right? But sometimes it can be diagnosed without having an ultrasound. I just think it's like better to to have the ultrasound, right? So you can see it. Um, So when you're diagnosed with PCOS, it's often one of two things. Either it's a surprise and it's very overwhelming and you're like, what? Like something's wrong with me? Um, And this often happens in women who have already had a child, you know, um, or they never really had struggles with any of this stuff when they were younger, but like as they got older, these problems sort of have started to develop and they're like, okay, something's, something's not right here. Um, I've seen that many times. And then there's, there's the other group of women that I was talking about who have struggled with this stuff since puberty. Right. And they're like very familiar with it. But um, so sometimes getting a diagnosis for those women is like, okay, finally, like finally I have a diagnosis for this. I know that it's something real. Like it's not, it's not just, you know, I'm stressed. So I'm skipping periods. Um, So, the unfortunate thing about when you do get diagnosed with PCOS is that uh, if you don't have a good team around you, like if your doctor is not super concerned about it, it can be very demoralizing because you as a woman, of course, you're going to be concerned that now you have this, this condition, which is a chronic health condition. It follows you throughout your life. Um, it doesn't go away if you have a hysterectomy. Um, it doesn't go away if you go through menopause. Like, this is something that you deal with throughout your life. Um, so, yeah, it's concerning. You're like, okay, what do I need to do? Like, well, how can I, like, help myself? And you want to know, too, can this be cured? Can it be reversed? Uh, there's a lot of questions that you have. Unfortunately, the experience a lot of times is, you know, the doctor basically just says, okay, are you wanting to have children you know, are you are you currently trying to have a child or whatever it may be? And uh, if you say no, then they're going to say, well, let's put you on birth control. And then when you're ready to have a kid, you know, then we then we could talk uh, about what to do then. Right. And a lot of times the approach to PCOS now is stay on birth control till you're ready to have a child when you're ready to have a child, you know, you can maybe try naturally for a little while. Um, in a lot of cases, it won't happen on its own. And so then you go through, and there are some different fertility drugs like Clomid, Femara that are that are sometimes used. Letrozole is another name for Femara. Um, or you can even end up going all the way through the IVF process like I did. It just depends on the severity of, of the symptoms and everything. But that's not a good answer for women who are looking at this from a health perspective, because I think what we forget in the medical community a lot of times, and I can get this way too because I do specialize in fertility, is that women are not just concerned about whether or not they can have kids um, or whether they can have them right now or ever. They want to know that they're healthy, right? They want to do everything that they can. Uh, So what we know about PCOS is that it's actually more a metabolic condition than it is a hormone condition. Like, yes, it affects your hormones. And that's a lot of the reason why you end up coming to seek treatment in the first place. But actually, it's far more important to look at your metabolic health. So the health of your metabolism, the health of your body in general, um, because that is actually really the precursor to a lot of this stuff. So I talked about this in a a podcast before, and this is something that I always explain to clients, it's called the priority pyramid. Your body basically has a priority of needs when it comes to dealing with things in the body. So the female hormones, the sex hormones like progesterone, estrogen, all this stuff that affects ovulation... That's really kind of, like, it's at the top of the pyramid. It's like, you know how they put sugar up there at the top of the pyramid? Like, okay, just have a little bit. Like, it's not that important. It's not important to your diet. Um, the hormone levels are not as important to you as, like, the more fundamental things. So your body's thinking, hey, like, we're not healthy. Why should we be fertile? Like, we can't carry, you know, another human being here. Like, let's, you know, the hormones are going to get off balance when there's something else deeper that's wrong. Right. So with PCOS, what's going on is that deeper in the body, in the in the system, that there are imbalances that are then causing imbalances in the hormones. So we don't look at it from a hormone perspective of like, okay, she doesn't make enough progesterone because she doesn't ovulate, so let's just give her progesterone and then that'll fix the problem. It's kind of the same concept of like, okay, the doctor says let's go on birth control, and you're thinking, okay, birth control, like it's it's gonna give me the right amounts of different things throughout the month. And I'm going to be on regular cycles. So theoretically, like in your head, you're thinking, okay, I do this till my PCOS is gone. And then when I get off of this, like I'll be regulated and it'll, you know, just stay like that. And unfortunately, that's that's not the case because the problems are deeper. So, um, so PCOS is more a metabolic problem than anything else. So what we know about PCOS is that... Um, For most women with it, there's an underlying insulin issue. And sometimes this doesn't show up on blood work. So I'll be honest with you. A lot of women look great on their blood work, even when they have PCOS, right? They Their blood sugars look normal. Their A1C looks normal. This is because women with PCOS have something called hyperinsulinemia, which is when you actually make more insulin, um, when you eat like anything, than the average person would. So you're always existing at this higher level of insulin production, and that an insulin is, is a hormone. Like it 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 affects other things in the body, um, and so it can throw off balance the the sex hormones because it it directly kind of attacks the ovaries, causes this excess production of of androgenic hormones, so testosterone, male hormones, which then you know mess everything else up. And that's a simplified way of looking at it because there's a lot more going on with PCOS than just that. And um, that's one of the frustrations that a lot of us have with PCOS um, recommendations. It's like, now we've gotten to the point as a society that I think that most doctors are not just going to be like, hey, just go on birth control. Now they're going to tell you go on birth control and lose 10% of your body weight because that's what the research says, is that if you can lose some weight, it'll improve your symptoms. But it's so much more complex than that because there are so many different types of PCOS and not all of them benefit from this like drastic weight reduction. Um, and what that weight reduction is doing essentially is, is reducing the amount of insulin that's circulating in your body. So yeah, it's going to improve hormonal symptoms for a lot of women, particularly women who developed PCOS as as a result of gaining weight, which does sometimes happen. Um, But it's not dealing with these, like, underlying processes where it's difficult for women with PCOS to kind of, like have the right antioxidant levels. Like there's a lot of like chronic inflammation issues going on with PCOS. Um, there are several different things going on. And so in this series of podcasts that I'm going to do, I'm going to try to tackle each one of those topics sort of individually as much as I can. And I'm going to try my best not to ramble too much. This is such a passion of mine because I also have PCOS. So, The treatment of it is, is a huge passion of mine and I love talking about it and I know I can get off topic with it a little bit. Um, but I'm going to try in each of these podcasts to kind of address the more, the deeper, uh, root cause type things that can be going on with this and, and, and ways to address it. And the cool thing is that, you know, when it comes to actually addressing PCOS with like concrete changes in the diet or lifestyle, a lot of it overlaps, right? Like it's it's hard to go wrong eating whole foods. Like it just is, you know. Um, but but sometimes looking at at some of these root causes can help us to sort of figure out where there might be imbalances in the diet, where there might be imbalances in our health that we can address on our own or with a practitioner so that we can get to a better spot with this. So, um, okay. So what I want to talk about today is like when you do get that diagnosis for the first time. So let's, let's assume you've got it, right? Um, what should you start to do? Like what things can you change immediately that are going to set you up for success? Um, first of all, I think more than anything is like research, advocating for yourself, learning as much as you can. And that may be how you found this episode of the podcast right because you're researching you're trying to figure out what pcos is you probably have an inkling that the birth control that you're on is like not really helping you know it's just covering up symptoms and um you want to know like hey uh what am i supposed to do if i'm trying to have a, a child too like i can't be on birth control while i'm trying to have a child right Um, so we're going to address all of that stuff, but I think the biggest thing to first start doing is just gathering data and I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like there's a lot of stuff out there. PCOS is a big money maker in the industry and I'll tell you why that is. It's because it's the most common gynecological condition in at least in the developed world, so uh, they're estimate about seven percent of women um, have PCOS, and that's a pretty big number considering uh, how many women there are um, in, in the United States. You know, and and since PCOS is a uh, fertility condition, it is one of those things where now we've got a whole industry that gets built up around it, like the fertility um, fertility treatment centers are. Working with a lot of women with PCOS. um, And, you know, there's a whole cottage industry around it. And since PCOS is also a metabolic condition that can be helped with diet and exercise, of course, you've got all this industry coming up around that. You've got like diets targeted at you. You've got Meal plans targeted at you. You've got practitioners like me, hey, targeted at you. Um, and so, you know, I recognize that as a functional nutritionist. Like, I know it's it's PCOS. Women with PCOS are easy targets. They are because you're dealing with not just this set of of hormonal issues that's very distressing. Like, we know that women with PCOS deal with more depression um, related to their symptoms and also related to infertility than other women, but you're also dealing with with troubles maintaining your body weight in a lot of cases, not always. There is a group of, that has PCOS that are naturally thin, and we'll talk about you guys in another podcast. Um, But, you know, the majority of women with PCOS struggle with their weight. So, like, hey, it's a great opportunity for diet the diet community to, to try to offer services and not everybody does it with, with bad intentions, right? Like I really think most people in the diet and health industry actually care and like want to help. They just, sometimes they do it in a way that's not helpful in the end. Um, So I try really hard not to do that. And I think I have a unique perspective on it because I have PCOS and have lived with it my whole life. And so, you know, At the same time that I'm helping women with PCOS, like, I've been through all the stuff. Like, I've tried the different things, you know? Uh, So I know. But um, but there's a huge industry around this. So you're going to find a lot of information out there. Some of it's true, some of it's not true. And it can be very overwhelming and very confusing. But I do think it's an important part of the process when you're diagnosed with anything to start doing your own research. My recommendation would be to start with like PubMed, right? Like looking at, at journal articles. And you can read the abstracts of them for a general consensus on what the articles found. Uh, keep in mind that research is not all created equal, And um, you may find things that say one thing and then things that say another thing. Researchers do the research, then they come to their conclusions, and their conclusions sometimes are overblown. Sometimes they're taken out of context in the media, whatever it may be. Um, So always with a grain of salt, but I think it's good to kind of see what's out there so that you can take that information to your professional that you're working with and ask them about it. I don't think there's anything wrong with being informed as much as you can. My caution with with trying to be informed is, number one, don't try to do all this by yourself. I think if you're really dedicated to finding solutions for your PCOS, you do need to have a good team. Like, you need to have a good doctor who knows about PCOS and is confident treating it. And you need to have a, a nutritionist. Um I see a lot of people trying to do it on their own, and that's fine. Like, you end up getting a lot more answers and getting a lot further if you're working with a professional. So one benefit of the professionals, too, on your team, especially nutritionists, because they have more time with you, is that when you do find research or you do find people saying different things, you can take that information to your nutritionist and you can say, like, hey, is this true? Or, like, what do you think about this, you know? Um, so, you know, some examples are I get questions a lot about about the ketogenic diet. And a lot of my women with PCOS will try keto. And uh, for some people it works. For some people it doesn't work. And there are different reasons for that. And we kind of go into that when we're working together. But... Um, It's something that's like really glamorized and sort of put out there now as like the cure for PCOS, right? Um, no, it's not the cure. So I'll just put your mind at rest right now. There's no cure for PCOS. Okay. But I will tell you that there's a large subsection of women with PCOS who can get their fertility back, who can get their periods back, who can start ovulating again. And essentially, you know, I mean, for whatever definition the word is, cure their PCOS. There is a large subsection of women that can do that, and I've seen that before. Um, but there's also a subsection of PCOS where that's not really possible, and it doesn't happen because there are even deeper seated metabolic, even genetic issues at play here. So we'll talk more about the different types of PCOS in another podcast, but suffice it to say that, you know, there's no known cure for PCOS. Birth control is not a cure. Keto is not a cure. There's no sp- magic diet for PCOS that's going to cure you. Um, but if your body has the resources that it needs, sometimes you can regain your fertility and health if you know what you're doing and you're working with somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, but it's still really important to start gathering that research, start looking at stuff, start figuring out, um, what you believe or don't believe, start trying things, you know? Um, I would try to avoid spending too much money on like gimmicky stuff. Like, I would not buy any shake that claims to be like, you know, for your gut health or, um, you know, it's gonna like, fix your hormones. I wouldn't start doing a bunch of supplementation. You can actually do more damage with that if you don't know what you're doing. I will do a podcast on supplementation for PCOS and what are some things that I feel like are, are pretty safe bets that can be helpful. Um, so stay tuned for that. But the first thing that you need to do when you're diagnosed is to make sure that you've got a good team. Here's one reason and one example from my own personal life that I can tell you a reason why it's really important to have a good team. So PCOS is one of the fastest growing causes of endometrial cancer in the United States. And I developed endometrial cancer at 25 as a complication of PCOS um, because I was not taking any kind of birth control. And so I was not, my body was not getting flushed out regularly. Um, so, and that can happen. And that's one reason as an aside that sometimes birth control is the right option for women. Sometimes it's important. Sometimes it's necessary. And a lot just depends on you and where you're at in your life. But it's rapidly becoming a problem among young women that are developing endometrial cancer. And in a lot of cases, it's really sad because it's developing and they're not catching it early. And, um, you know, endometrial cancer is one of the most curable forms of cancer, but still all these women are losing their, their reproductive organs. Um, I'm fortunate enough that I was able to find good healthcare providers that caught it early And I was able to go through the process of IVF to sort of speed along the fertility process, have my son. And then when it did come back after he was born, I was able to have um, my hysterectomy last year and um, not, you know, miss out on the chance of like, actually growing my own baby, uh, which I really wanted to do, you know, that was important to me. So I was, I was lucky, but I know I'm part of a support group and I know many women that did not have that option, um, either because they're, it was caught too late, um, because they fell through the cracks or even potentially later their oncologist wasn't more familiar with some of the conservative treatment methods or, or didn't, um, believe that it was as important for them to be able to have a child as not. So it's, this is when it starts to get really, really important because even if you're young, like, let's say you're, you know, 22 years old and you just got diagnosed and you're like, I don't want to have kids like, or I don't want to now, maybe later, but you're not even thinking about that. It's still really important to have a good doctor because when you do get there, you want to be able to get there. You know, um, you need to have somebody who's going to tell you the truth, and who's going to make sure that they advocate for you and is going to make sure that they set you up for success. So, um, how do you find a good doctor? Well, that's, that's tricky, right? Um, cause good doctors, you know, I mean, there are a lot of good doctors out there, but it just depends on finding somebody who really is very aware of women with PCOS. If you feel like you're being brushed off, you're being not taken seriously. Um, you're pretty much being told, like, there's really nothing to be done except go on birth control. If your doctor turns his or her nose up at nutrition and acts like it doesn't make a difference, like, I mean, that that's untrue. And the research says that. So I would find somebody who recognizes the both the need to have regular menstruation, right, because that is important in PCOS. And sometimes we have to use birth control in order to get there. Um, but not always. Okay. Um, so somebody who recognizes that and is going to like take care of you in that sense is going to make sure that they find a birth control that's, you know, as low dose as it can be. That's not going to affect your mood and, and all these other things. And, um, or even like cyclical Provera or cyclical progesterone. I did that for, for several years and that was very effective for me. Um, so a doctor who's going to know what to do on that sense. And of course I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you what to do with your birth control or what to do with your, um, hormonal pills and all that stuff. Like that's your doctor's department. But when you're looking for a good doctor, I think somebody who's familiar with all of that, Somebody who I think is going to be open to giving you ultrasounds if you need them, you know, to look at the uterine lining, to look at the ovaries if you'd like to look at them. And then somebody who is aware of and supportive of nutrition. Like if you have a doctor and they diagnose you with PCOS and then they tell you, you know, diet and exercise play a big role in this and can be helpful for you. Even if it's just as simple as that, you know that they're up to date on on the you know, what's accepted as as fact for PCOS, right? And so they're going to be open to you seeing a nutritionist and they're going to be open to you taking your health into your own hands in that sense. And that's important. Um, my first doctor that diagnosed me with PCOS told me that there was nothing that I could do with diet. It didn't make a difference at all. And that actually processed food has a lot of added vitamins. So, um, it was fine to just eat a lot of processed food. So, um, yeah, that's, there are people out there who will tell you that kind of crazy stuff. The other thing about finding a good doctor is just finding somebody who's just going to listen to you, who's supportive of your concerns. And I think more than anything, that's the most important. Like you want somebody who's going to listen to you because if you're, if you're not taking birth control, if you choose not to for whatever reason or you're trying to conceive and you're not having regular periods and, um, you know, you're having weird bleeding or spotting or whatever. Um, even though you're only 25, it's important that your doctor takes you seriously and says, Hey, you know, This is not normal. Let's do a biopsy or let's do an ultrasound and let's look at what's going on. That's how I was diagnosed with cancer. So it's very important that somebody not let you slip through the cracks, okay? So finding a good provider is the first thing, um, along with doing that research and knowing what's going on. And yes, I think having a nutritionist on your side is important too, um, but to each their own, you know, you can try, try to do this on your own as well. Okay. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing to do when you're first diagnosed with, with PCOS is really start looking at your, um, at your diet. I'm going to obviously go into a lot more depth on that in other podcasts, um, particularly for the different types of PCOS because the diet strategies are different. But I think it's worthwhile to like look and see what works for you. And there are a couple of strategies that I find help women with PCOS be more effective with diet. Um, number one, of course, working with a professional who knows about root causes, like a functional practitioner is going to be able to look at you and not just see, oh, you have PCOS, you need to eat low carb. They're going to be able to look at you as a whole person and see where what else is going on there. Uh, yeah, low carb might be part of the strategy. I mean, I'll be honest. Like a lot of the research says that eating lower in carbohydrates is very helpful for for PCOS. That's why they're always recommending low glycemic diets. That's why keto is so popular for PCOS now. Because what those diets do is they reduce the amount of circulating insulin, which then can help with the hormones. So um, yeah, it can be an important part of PCOS treatment. But not always. Not always. There's a group of women with PCOS who who do worse um, because they are adrenally driven. And so that very stressful kind of diet can actually stress out their adrenals more and cause more problems. I would say, though, if you do carry any excess body fat around the middle, you probably would be served by restricting your carbohydrate index. And sometimes women think they don't do well with low carb or lower carb because they feel kind of bad on it for the first few days or the first couple of weeks. That's normal, though. It's normal when you're transitioning to a new diet to kind of not feel super great. Like, you're not going to feel immediately better, like, the next day. Um, so, you know, it, it, there's... And if you're not feeling good, it's probably not so much the carbohydrate intake, unless you're going really, really low, like keto low, which I just am not crazy about for most women. Um... But it's probably not that. It probably more has to do with the things you're swapping in. So a lot of times when women, when women go lower carb, they eat a lot more eggs, which is a very common food sensitivity. They eat a lot more dairy, which is a very common food sensitivity. So that's another strategy when looking at your health is if you have access to it through a practitioner, I think it's good to get reliable, um, you know, professionally done food sensitivity testing because I've never seen a woman with PCOS that doesn't have food sensitivities. It's just extremely common, and this is why a lot of the dietary strategies for PCOS circulate around uh removing gluten and removing dairy, right? Because those are two common food sensitivities, and there's a lot of thought that, like, okay, we remove those, and then a woman's going to feel better, right? Um That doesn't necessarily have to happen. It all depends on the woman, and that's why it's important to get your own food sensitivity testing done. You know, I've talked about food sensitivity testing many times. It's a huge part of my practice. I make everybody who works with me do it. Um, it's just like the first step before we can get started. But, um, you know, I always recommend going through a practitioner because labs are all different and food sensitivity is notorious for being a little unreliable, especially if you get those like home kits that you buy online. Um, I won't name names, but yes, there are better quality lab results out there from different companies, depending on who you're working with. So working with a practitioner for that is important. But looking at your carbohydrate intake, your potential food sensitivities, um, a great place to start sometimes for women is to do like a Whole30. Um, If you've ever heard of that, that's a a paleo kind of challenge where you eat um, only whole foods for 30 days. You know, you'll hear different kind of people turn their nose up at that. Yeah, it's not the end-all, be-all, but I think it's a good place to start. It's a good way to kind of get your head around eating whole foods because your diet strategy, whether it be low-carb, not low-carb, whether it be um, what foods it removes or doesn't remove, it's going to center around eating whole foods. As a woman with PCOS, it's going to be very important that you place a focus on healthy food, on fruits and vegetables and Whole foods, not processed foods, even if they're healthy processed foods. And that's important for the inflammation portion of PCOS, which is a big component that we often don't hear about. We hear a lot about the carbs and we hear sometimes about the food sensitivity, but we don't hear a lot about inflammation. Um and inflammation has to do with, with several different factors, you know, like our mitochondria play a role in, in inflammation and our um, food sensitivities play a role in chronic inflammation. Um our lifestyle plays a role in that, the quality of our food plays a role in that. So all these things are are playing into it. But if you were just diagnosed and you need a place to start with eating healthier, the best place to start is to have somebody put something together for you that you can then follow, right? So if you can work with a nutritionist, that's obviously best. But if you can't, doing something like a Whole30, um, even following like the, they call it the AIP, the autoimmune paleo diet for a month, um, anything like that that's going to like help you sort of reset your mind, reset your taste buds, it'll be tough. It'll be a challenge for sure. But, um, you can do hard things and, uh, it's going to help you to see where you sort of have addictions around food, right? Like, what things do you crave? What things do you miss? What things, um, do you even binge on while you're doing a whole 30? Right. Like, a lot of us will eat a bunch of sweet potato or whatever. And that's a sign like, okay, I have like sugar addiction problems or whatever it may be. Um, so it's, it's, it's a useful tool. Right? It's not a forever thing, but it's a useful tool. It's a good place to start. Um, you know, just clean eating in general, trying to, um, eliminate fast food from the diet or drastically reduce how much of it you eat, um, trying to reduce how much you eat out and cooking more at home, reducing the amount of grains in the diet. All those things are, are important, you know, um, and that's a good place to to start. I would also just in general with PCOS, I tend to recommend that women go dairy free. I've just seen that be such a problem. Um, it's not always a hundred percent necessary, but I do always recommend kind of cutting back. And there are so many good substitutes for dairy now. So, uh, you know, if you can get like dairy free cheeses and things like that, it helps just to kind of balance things out a bit, especially if you're planning to go lower carb, because a lot of times you'll see those diets wanting you to like make weird stuff out of like parmesan, like bread out of parmesan or whatever. I would not recommend that. So in general, even like, Um, even if you do, you know, the one reason I like Whole30 is because the concept behind it is to really truly eat whole foods. It's not paleo, um, where, you know, yeah, you're eating whole foods, but you can make like a lot of coconut flour stuff or whatever. Like, I don't recommend doing that because I just, it, it just, it's nutrient poor. We're trying to get more nutrients into you. It's, it's less about what you're cutting out and more about what you're putting in. Um, So we'll talk more about that in another podcast, but yes, you do have to look at your diet with PCOS. Unfortunately, I wish you didn't. I wish it didn't make a difference at all. So you could just like kick back and, you know, eat whatever. But unfortunately, PCOS is a dietary issue. So you've got to look at it. Okay. And the last thing, and this, um, this I think is really important whenever you're diagnosed with anything or whenever anything difficult happens in your life, uh, Take some time to acknowledge the trauma that you've just gone through. Being diagnosed with a chronic condition, it sucks. It's not fun at all. You may have already known that you had issues and been dealing with them, and so it might be a bit of a relief to have a diagnosis, but it's still sad to look at yourself and say, like, you know, why me? Like, why is this happening to me? Um... I think you have to go through those stages of grief with it. It's just like anything else. It's even if it's, you know, your doctor kind of blows it off as if it's not a big deal, even if your family blows it off as if it's not a big deal, like it is a big deal. Um, and it's okay if if you take it personally. It's okay if you're upset about it. It's okay if you're scared. Um you know, I mean, PCOS has real consequences on our health, not just in our childbearing years, but throughout our life cycle. It's something you'll always probably be fighting a little bit of an uphill battle with. That doesn't mean that there aren't solutions for it. And that doesn't mean that there aren't things that we can do to really improve your health um, and set you up for success. But it does mean that, you know, it's okay to be like upset about it. And um, your feelings are valid. So I just want to say that first, because I think we often get into this mindset about it that, you know, it's all just either the woman's fault or she caused it to happen or, you know, whatever. So she's not allowed to be sad about it. And that's not true. Um, PCOS is not your fault. You did not cause it to happen. Even if you got it because you gained a lot of weight, it's not your fault that you gained that weight. Um, and it's not your fault that it happened. Uh, plenty of people gain weight and don't develop PCOS, you know? So there's, there's more going on with it than, than you. It, and it's not your, not your fault that it happened. I do think that it's your responsibility once you are diagnosed with something to, to set yourself up for success with it, to take back some power. It's very empowering to take back some control. Over these issues. And with PCOS, you do have some control, like you have control over what you eat and that plays such a huge role in your health with this condition. So that's one way that you can start taking back some of your power. It's not like this thing where it's like, oh, it's all genetic. And I just, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I mean, sometimes I hear that from, from women. And I think that's a very, um, that's a very disempowering, place to be, you know, to think that there's no ability to make any change, that it's all genetic, so none of it has anything to do with anything that you do. It's just simply not true. Yes, some of us, myself included, have a genetic form of PCOS that is more severe, like, and whether we eat well or don't eat well, like, yeah, we may still have symptoms and we may not get our ovulation back or whatever it may be. That doesn't mean that the rest of us can't be healthier. That doesn't mean that we can't improve. So, um, so yeah, t- you know, taking back some control. And I'll tell you when it comes to the weight portion of this, because I know many of you who have just been diagnosed are worried about your weight and feeling like you can't seem to get it off. It keep, you keep gaining it, even though you don't eat very much. Um, that's not all in your head. That's very common with PCOS. Um, but, there are things that you can do and we can get the weight off of you. So I, um, I've i never to this day had a woman with PCOS that we weren't able to get to a healthier body weight. Um, it, often with that, if you're really struggling with it on your own, it's all about having an outside perspective and it's all about knowing the um, issues underneath. A lot of times it's about food sensitivity. A lot of times it's about nutrient sensitivity. Um, Nutrient issues. So when it's really, really difficult on your own, it's usually requires the intervention of a professional, but it's not impossible. Um, so yeah, so those are the three things I would do. Start advocating and researching. Start, um, looking at your diet and cleaning that up as much as you can and, Start sitting with and processing the trauma and just allowing yourself to feel sad, to feel bitter, to feel angry about it for a while. You will come to a place where you're ready to take control of it, where you're ready to, like, gain some perspective on it. Um, the perspective that I've found over the years is that, hey, if I didn't have PCOS, like, I would never have really started paying attention to my health probably – and, um, changing my diet. I wouldn't be in this beautiful career that I'm in now. Like so many things would be different about my life if I didn't have PCOS. Um, and I would be a much less healthy person for it. Like I am a significantly more healthy woman because of PCOS than, um, than I would have been. So yeah, it's an uphill battle that I fight every day, but, um, sometimes, you know, your enemy is also your friend You just take them by the hand and walk along together. So um, that's it for today. that's it for today guys I'm gonna wrap it up you're gonna hear my outro again um, but if you have questions for the podcast if you have questions for the PCOS series feel free to send me an email the um, email address is below but you can also I'm just gonna say it here an amberadaypodcast at gmail.com email me you can dm me on instagram I don't care what you do just get in touch ask me your questions and I'll incorporate them into future episodes um Really good to talk to you guys today and uh oh yeah, if you're on TikTok, I'm on TikTok now. So, um <laughs> if you're there, find me at Amber Fisher Nutrition. Uh I'll put all this stuff in the um description box below for those of you watching or listening. But I hope you have a beautiful week and we will talk soon. Bye. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.